right, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Journey Within podcast. I'm here um, with my friend Ash Belrose and fellow, well, not fellow librarian. I'm not a librarian, but I am a lover <laughs> of books who visits the library a lot. So, <laughs> hi, hi everyone. Ash Belrose here. If you don't know me, well, I am the librarian of Exodus City. Guardi- Keeper of the Librarium and Guardian of the Key Minouche. I really gotta work on that intro, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> One step at a time, you know. I didn't even introduce myself. Hi, I'm Heather Journey. <laughs> I'm a writer as well as a witchy wolf, and you can find me on Twitch and Twitter. And we are both fellow book lovers, which is why we are here today for the Journey Within Literature Club. So. We are going to be doing poetry readings today. Uh, we both have a special poem that we have both written um, that we are each going to read for everyone. And we also are going to be reading out of a collection book of poems, um, of classic poetry, of famous poems. So that way we get a good branch of our creative like mindset and we can also get a view of other people's creative poetic mindsets so yeah would you like to start by reading yours ash oh boy yes okay so before i get into reading mine i'm gonna basically state two things one this was made while i was in college so it's a college writing that got published into a literary magazine known as etc if i remember correctly and for another wait I don't think it was even two points. My brain just wants to (laughs) run 500 miles a minute. It's okay. So, the poem is called Sleep. What is sleep? Is it a valley we go to and dream for hours on on end? A nocturnal haven, perhaps. It seems like a blessing and a curse. So much to do, so little time. Yet it is highly valued. Why? Demotivation meant to plague the mind, creeps in and ruins the spirit. Can't do anything. Don't have desire to do anything. It's sickening. This exhaustion, lack of sleep, and suffocating worldviews. What's there to strive for? The soul is weary, the mind is broken. Nothing can save it, even if one sleeps for eternity. Sleep, a place where insanity dies, has a place in the shadows, but we value it still. We value it because it saves us from ourselves. It saves us. But at what cost? What price does someone pay for sanctuary? Sleep can be granted, but there is no escape, no escape from hell. The world falls apart no matter how much we cry for rest. What is rest anymore? The peace died too long ago, and sleep is just distracting. 
so we neglect to use it out of fear. We fear damaging others, but we also damage ourselves, shattering like porcelain vases. What a waste. Alternatives for sleep are vile, but taste good on the tongue. Wishes to sleep forever exist, but that will not change what is to come. Yes. long poem <laughs> yes it is and I will admit that when I wrote this poem it was you know college it can be very stressful so mm-hmm. part of that me being very tired and angry that I didn't get getting lemonade and it was tension I called it angst but my peers in that class said, no, you're not being angsty, it's just you've put tension into your poetry. And I'm like, huh, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it's, but it's yes. showing off real, you know, real problems and thoughts that you're having through your poetry. But yes, I focused on both the literal aspect of sleep as well as, like, um, metaphorical, maybe? Mm-hmm figurative. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was definitely praised for this poem in the class that I had because of how um, it worked. And we talked about form a lot. So the form that I put with this poem was this thing called Sejura, where um, spacing is a thing. <laughs> so if you heard me like briefly pause at one point, that's where the sejura comes in. Minus anything with, like, commas, because commas, that's natural. Yeah, right. But the sejura was just really fun to work with for my own poet, poetic style. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was actually, that little door you heard uh, close earlier, I was trying to find, um, I actually had a copy of a literary magazine that I had, one of my poems had gotten into. But I can't remember which one, so I was trying to look and see if I had it, like, on hand, but it's fine. Um, there was, like, one or two that had gotten accepted. It's a very, very local, like, low-scale literary magazine. It's, like, nothing crazy. But, um... Mine was the University Literary Magazine, and this is the only piece that I have that's been published in there. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I have two, but I don't remember what the other one was. Um, but uh, I did find one that I know was published in a literary magazine, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't exactly remember which one, so you're just gonna have to quote me on that, I guess. <laughs> that it has been published into one, because I don't remember which one. But I can find find the book later and like post a picture and be like, here, I swear I wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a copy of it. But, um, yeah. Anyway, since I shared my creative strive, now it's your turn. Yeah, this is a different set of problems, um, but equally as valid. My, um, poem is called Revolve. Your world has ceased to revolve around me. My eyes no longer shine like the sun. My hands no longer latch onto the key that unlocks the feeling of being loved. Your world begins to revolve around them. My 
my laughter no longer warms you enough. Only my thoughts seem to leave you condemned. Only my mind ensnares you in handcuffs. Your world begins to revolve around dreams. My heart no longer pulls you closer in. Only my words tear apart your se soft seams. Only my love floods you with could have beens. Suddenly, I wander a land anew. My world has ceased to revolve around you. So that's a really um, a lot of people really liked that poem. I wrote it in a creative writing literature class um, when I was in college as well. Mine came to be. That's how mine came to be. It was um, it was a creative writing class that focused on form and theory, and we were talking poetry. That's how mine was built. <laughs> yeah, I I took an actual like creative writing poetry class, uh, and that's where this poem like came to be. But I think it's just a really relatable struggle. Like we're always like latching on to people in our lives, like whether it's family, friends, like. Lovers, like whatever it is, we're always latching on to someone. And as we grow, like people shift and change, and like ultimately, like the people you have now, you know, may not be there like five, ten years later.、Uh, they may not even be here tomorrow. Like you know, they may move or something might happen.、Um, but it's just showing that like sometimes things change, people change, people come and go, but. Uh, and then you're as they change, and as they they come and go, your like mindset about the situation like slowly turns, and eventually comes to a resolution about、um, about it all. I think that's something that like everyone can relate to. Definitely, because like. Yeah, most people seem to think about it from a, like a romantic point of view.、Uh, I but mean, I, that's it's fair though. Yeah, I I did use my heart and love and stuff like that, so it makes sense.、Uh, but you could also use it in a bunch of different contexts. Like you could use it for family members. Like you know, as you get older, as you become an adult, you slowly start to drift from your family or like people that you've grown up with, like old friends, you know, that drift apart. Like stuff like that,、uh, it can also work for that as well. I actually wrote it about、uh, my brother because my brother has since moved out,、um, and he was like my best friend growing up. Like I relied on him for everything, and I idolized him because I, I I just saw so much potential in him that I didn't see in myself. And when he left, and I was just like, well. What am I supposed to do? Like, where, where's my friend at? You know, where, where's, where's my brother at? So、uh, I just was thinking about, like, how, like, you know, you just as you grow up and、um, become an adult, you just move on, and that's just what he had to do, and I just learned to be okay with that, you know. But、right. it takes time, and it's not an easy thing. All right, so more in depth about sleep. While、well, I still have it in my brain,、um, <laughs> yes, I wrote it in a bad mind, in a mindset of where it was like grumpy and everything. But there is actual meaning to it because I'm going to be mildly political when I say this. I'm not a political person, and there's so many things going on in the world where,、um, like. The news in 
and everything. Like, even the pandemic, for example, kind of, like, messed with everybody. Yeah, so absolutely did. The what? The question of sleep was the biggest thing that came to mind, and the thing of my favorite section that I wrote for within the um, poem is um, actually there's two sections that I liked. One was demotivation meant to plague the mind, creeps in and ruins the spirit. Can't do anything. Don't have desire to do. That part in particular was just the fact that um, sometimes, whether it's literal sleep or metaphoric, you have this strange hit of demotivation. And this was definitely true during the time that I was in college trying to get stuff done. And um, there was this heavy set of demotivation that just made it hard to get any college assignments done. And all I wanted to do was just get away from it all. Right. And, and another part of, um, let me see here. This, this particular part, actually, gosh, it's hard to pinpoint it. It's my own poem and yet I have trouble pinpointing it. What's wrong with me? <laughs> actually, I'll just- It is a long poem. It's a, it's a lot to cover. It is. Okay. Sleep can be granted, but there is no world. This entirety is just, sure, we can have sleep, but you can't escape from, like, the hellish BS you have to go through, like, whether it's just you walking around and you hear uh, something rough on the news, or in my case, you're walking on campus and all of a sudden you see some very unpleasant imagery on the <laughs> pinned to trees and you're trying to walk down the sidewalk as you're like going to, say, the library. Um, no matter how much like sleep you get, you can't escape the bad, sh bad stuff. And then what is rest anymore? I definitely was being kind of um, philosophical when it came to the term of sleep. Because yes, there's the literal sleep, but then there's the metaphoric thing of like, I don't know how to pinpoint it. I was just very tension-based with this. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on in college. Like, for me, I was freaking working full-time, going to classes, taking full-time hours, like, on classes, and I was just like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, I mean, I I had the same feeling, because I didn't have, like, a job or anything, I was just living in the dorms, but there was still that similar feeling when, after you've done your classes and you're sitting in your dorm room trying to get assignments done, or whatever, you feel kind of numb. Yeah. But one thing I did remember about sleep, whether it be literal or metaphoric, is that, and this is really an interesting line, we fear damaging others, but we also damage ourselves, shattering like 
porcelain vases, what a waste. Now this one is definitely true for like, not just sleep, but just trying to talk with people overall. Is that we fear talking to people and thinking like we're going to offend someone. Or offend like, whether it's a person or offending like some form of um, historic piece or just anything. We get so, I don't want to say sensitive, fixated on certain things to where it's like, that hurt my feelings, and I'm just like, what do you, what is, what are you expecting? The world is meant to have, like, different kinds of opinions, but that probably just right. me and my brain being. Well, it depends, <laughs> honestly, it depends on the subject, too, like... Certain, um, I am, I've seen a post flop fly around on my, um, my Facebook a couple times, and it's like, I, 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 the, the, the words, I accept your and understand your, and will respect your opinion as long as it doesn't invalidate someone else's existence or way of life, basically. So basically, as long as you're not being extremely rude or telling people they can't be who they want to be or who they are, um, then I'm pretty much okay with respecting it, even if my opinion disagrees. Um, but I, I think, think that's a, one thing. A lot of respects, you're right. Uh, a lot of people won't push for things because they're scared of like hurting someone. A lot of people are just extremely, like, like, will just take things way too far for no apparent reason. Like Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but stuff, stuff I've seen on my Twitter is that bad. Yeah. Um, Facebook, too. Facebook's bad. About political stuff, especially. And, granted, this... I keep thinking back to what happened in your server earlier today with that one user. Yeah, I don't. Um, it's just a. For me, a server is a place to like hang out and just have fun. And I do have like a special chat for like intense conversations. Um, I think that was Campfire Cuddle, right? Yeah. So, like, if you want support from somebody, or, like, if you want to talk about really, like, intense stuff, then you go there. But some people don't seem to read that. <laughs> so, no. I don't know. I remember even, I remember even saying, uh, please don't talk about politics. Some people actually want to escape from that. And I was saying that in the case of myself. Because I hear it all the time at home. I don't want to hear it in a server. Right, right, right. Uh, and there's different places, like, to talk about it. And, yeah, that's that's one of those places where you shouldn't talk about it. Unless it's a political server, which I don't know why you'd have one. But if you have one, then feel free. <laughs> yeah, but... That's all I can really say about that. I don't want to turn into a bad person and accidentally shit talk them. I don't want that. This is not the place for that. Yeah. Anyway! Should we proceed to the next thing? 
Sure. Um, so we have a collection book of poems here. Um, there's four that I know of, but three available on Kindle um, that I can access from where I live. I don't know if it will be the same worldwide, but um, there is a publishing company known as uh, Elsinore Books that has compiled uh, collections of classic poetry. Um, so like the, the best of like different categories and they have separated them into like at least three to four different collections. And I currently have three of them. Uh, the one I have decided for us to read from today is called The Best of Poetry, A Young Person's Book of Evergreen Verse, which contains 200 classic poems in it. And like I did last time, I will post a link in the about me section of the episode whenever it goes to post on the podcast. Um, I will post a link for everyone to be able to click on and check it out. Uh, I recommend buying it. It's a really nice collection. Um, and it has a lot of really, really popular and uh, not so like well-known poems that are actually really decent. So, Which we are going to be reading from. So we have, uh, there are 20 different categories um, separated into parts within this collection and they're all themed for different things. Uh, so what we are going to do is we are going to be taking our d20s and I think we'll just go back and forth um, and roll for the category and then that person, whoever rolled, will uh, choose a poem that they find intriguing um, from that category to read out. So this is gonna be pretty fun, cause yes, I have I have one D20 in my hand, but I also have a box of D and D dice from my earlier years. But that's beside the point. I need to find a flat book, cause I'm not going to do this on a table. Yeah. Cause I want to hear the whole. That'll work. I uh, I am going to be using a table <laughs> because well, I am at I my computer desk, which is full, and I don't have any other space. So, well, I'm sitting on a couch, so I needed a flat surface on my lap. Understandable. Yes, I see. And who knows? You might get to hear dice ASMR. <laughs> hey, the best kind of ASMR. Okay, let's see. I'm just putting it close there, so maybe you get to hear the rumbling of the dice for me. Hopefully, if I don't drop the game board box. <laughs> okay. Alright. Number I got. Three. So what's well, category three? Good thing we weren't in a campaign. Uh, <laughs> oh, it, birds. It's... it's a cat the category known as animalia birds so these are different poems about different types of birds um if you see one that you particularly like already uh i'm intrigued by uh wolf from song maybe it's just because i'm a bit musical dork so that's probably why it caught my attention. But let's see. Wolfram's song. Alright. 
by a Thomas Lovell Beddoes from 1802, who was born in 1803 and died in 1849. I could read that. Okay. Hmm. Old Adam, the carrier crow, the old crow of Cairo, he sat in the shower and let it flow under his tail and over his crest, and through every feather leaked the wet weather, and the bow swung under his nest. For his beak it was heavy with marrow. Is that the wind dying? Oh no, it's only two devils that blow through a murderer's bones to and fro in the ghost's moonshine. Ho, Eve, my gray carrion wife. When we have supped on King's Marrow, where shall we drink and make merry our life? Our nest, it is Queen Cleopatra's skull. Tis cloven and cracked and battered and hacked. But with tears of blue eyes, it is full. Let us drink then, my raven of Cairo. Is that the wind dying? Oh no, it's only two devils that blow through a murderer's bones to and fro in the ghost's moonshine. Is that one? Yeah. That is, oh. that is. I guess I'm so form poetry. It's just like, wait, is that it? Is that it? Yeah. Um, there are poems are so unique because some of them are extremely long and then some of them are so short it's like oh it's done okay <laughs> all right like haiku poems are super short um but they're well, all meaningful in their haiku own lengths yes I, I love the dichotomy with this one because it's like it does talk a bit about adam and eve and definitely has a lot of bird stuff because of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. That's the point. <laughs> I it is it is really pretty though. I, I liked really like the it. um the different like anatomy parts of the bird, um and then the nature part with like the water and the wind. Um, I don't quite get a hundred percent the meaning here, but it sounds really pretty and it's very very well um well descriptive well descriptive and well written. Because with me, because uh, how I always did poetry is I treated rhyme scheme as some form of structure for me. And while some poetry can be chaotic in its own right, I like my structure. That's right. Structure. (laughs) So when I hear the little bits of rhyme, it feels beautiful. Like, for example, tis cloven and cracked and battered and hacked. You can definitely feel that structure in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I am a bit of like an eclectic writer slash poet, so I like to use a bunch of different forms of poetry just to try to get different feels out. Um, so I don't always use rhyming, but I appreciate rhyming when it's done well um, and when really nice words are like coupled together. I'm still developing my poetry style. (laughs) I'm still developing my poetry style, but if there's two things I can pull from mine, it's the sejura that I done in sleep and the rhyming scheme process. Mm -hmm. 
because the Sejura gives enough spacing to where it looks like very unique formatic format wise and I would love to share the literary magazine but I would have to give tons of research for that and I don't have time Fair. and then rhyming scheme has always rhyming has always been a thing for me ever since I was a kid when it came to my poetry so it hasn't changed much the only addition so far has been the um, Sejura, and then, like, I guess I'm slowly becoming the person that likes to dabble in a little bit of pop culture with my poetry, because I remember in that class I did a Transformers-based poem. <laughs> I actually did a few. I've done a, Like, uh, heck. I think I did an Alice in Wonderland-themed poem, and a couple other things. It's really cool to take stuff like that. Make it your own. Okay, my phone wants to do stupid things, because <laughs> I thought for a second I disappeared. Yeah, I didn't hear what you said for the response, I, so. I, All I did was drink vegetable juice, because I have a snacky and I have a veggie juice. <laughs> Fair. So, it'll be your turn to roll the d20. Alright, let's see what we got here. Four. We're going we're going for the win now. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going with bugs. We're going with bugs. Well, and not necessarily all bugs, but creep, crawl, and fly. So um insects. I just summed it up as bugs. Yeah. True. Um let's see. That's funny how we how I got a three and you got a four. <laughs> I'm a little bit intrigued by a couple of these, but I think I'm gonna go with the spider and the fly. Just because I always like that dynamic. Um, and I also wrote a poem for my poetry class a while back. Uh, and it was called Little Miss Puppet, which was a play on Little Miss Muffet, the old nursery rhyme. And I, I made it out to be, uh, like, from the spider's perspective. Um, so it was it's interesting um but yeah that that's what kind of and i also i don't know if you know undertale but i really like uh muffet the spider girl in that game so <laughs> on an offhanded note my favorite undertale character uh it kind of changed a lot but i think recently i've been a fan of grillby the chill he's so chill bartender. absolutely I would love yeah. to have a drink with this guy. Right? I would love to have a burger with that guy, man. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, burger anyway. sounds really good right now. Anyway, <laughs> The Spider and the Fly by Mary Howitt from 1799 to 1888. Wow. She lived a long time. Will you walk into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. Tis the prettiest little parlor that ever you did spy. The way into my parlor is up a winding stair, and I've many curious things to show when you are there. Oh no no, said the little fly, to ask me is in vain, for who goes up your winding stair can ne'er come down again. I'm sure you must be weary, dear, with soaring up so high, 
Will you rest upon my little bed? said the spider to the fly. There are pretty curtains drawn around. The sheets are fine and thin. And if you like to rest a while, I'll snugly tuck you in. Oh no, no, said the little fly, for I've often heard it said, they never, never wake again who sleep upon your bed. Said the cunning spider to the fly, dear friend, what can I do to prove the warm affection I've always felt for you? I have within my pantry good store of all that's nice. I'm sure you're very welcome. Will you please to take a slice? Oh no, no, said the little fly. Kind sir, that cannot be. I've heard what's in your pantry, and I do not wish to see. Sweet creature, said the spider. You're witty and you're wise. How handsome are your gauzy wings. How brilliant are your eyes. I've a little looking glass upon my parlor shelf. If you'll step in one moment, dear, you shall behold yourself. I thank you, gentle sir, she said, for what you're pleased to say. And bidding you good morning now, I'll call another day. The spider turned him round about and went into his den, for well he knew the silly fly would soon come back again. So he wove a subtle web in a little corner sly, and set his table ready to dine upon the fly. Then he came out of his door again, and merrily did sing, Come hither, hither, pretty fly, with the pearl and silver wing. Your robes are green and purple, there's a crest upon your head. Your eyes are like diamond bright, but mine are dull as lead. Alas, alas, how very soon this silly little fly, hearing this really flattering words, came slowly flitting by. With fuzzy wings she hung aloft, then nearer and nearer drew, thinking only of her brilliant eyes and green and purple hue, thinking only of her crested head, poor foolish thing. At last, upon jumped, up jumped the cunning spider and fiercely held her fast. He dragged her up his winding stair into his dismal den with his, within his little parlor, but she never came out again. And now, dear little children, who may this story read, to idle, silly, flattering words I pray you ne'er give heed. Unto an evil counselor, close heart and ear and eye, and take a lesson from this tale of the spider and the fly. That was a Already? nursery rhyme type poem, which I like. Yeah. Narrative poetry. That's yes. beautiful. It was very pretty. I loved the structure and the rhyming and how they were like talking to each other. Like the um that's something that you don't always get in a poem is characters and dialogue like that. But it's really cool to see. Not always Yeah, you don't always get that because in our English classes at least by American standards. I do not know about um, anyone internationally, but by American standards, we always have been taught that dialogue and things of that nature are meant for narratives only. Whereas poetry, sure, there's free verse and stuff, but you wouldn't see dialogue. And it depends. It depends on the teachers too, because like it's. Um... But certain teachers will will talk about like more diverse types of poetry, and some will not. So it depends on the teachers and the, the structures of the classes. Um, but I like learning and reading different types.
types that are so uniquely, vastly different from each other when it comes to poetry. Because poetry can literally be anything. There is no one way to write a poem. And as I was talking about, some are short, some are long, some are narrative, some are more like fancy descriptive, you know. Um, but the ones we tend to get in like school, um, or at least um, from my experience, are like usually definitely more um, like nature-based or like political poems um, oh. or love poems, like Shakespearean sonnet love poems, like stuff like that. Um, and we don't often get the dialogue or narrative structure in those. It's more descriptive or um, trying to prove a moral or a point or something. Which this one actually did, but... But not all poems do that, because, yes. like, with mine... My poem, if I had to say anything about mine, mine's just more philosophical, in a sense. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. Um, because it's like, what is sleep, really? It's, yeah, it's giving multiple different, like, perspectives on what that word and, like, what the actual action of sleep is. The different ways that we see it and feel it. Oh. Think about along it. with my <laughs> along with my tension that I had when I wrote the piece, of course. But <laughs> some of our some of our best written works come when we are upset, when we are sad, when we are angry, when we are um, out of out of our minds. <laughs> Like, because that's when we're thinking in a very raw form. Like, that's when our real emotions, honestly, tend to come out, is when we are in, like, our most, like, raw sense of self. Um, not always, because there have been times where I have had no emotion at all, and I've come out with the most emotional poem that I have ever seen, and I'm like, how did I do this? When I literally felt like a corpse, like, sitting here writing this. <laughs> So it doesn't- the writing doesn't always reflect, like, the emotions that you're feeling, but you can definitely tell you've at least felt them at some point, you know? Or you've known someone that I've felt them at some point, so you can understand, like... Yes. Yeah. Alright. Time for the next poem. I'm gonna roll again, but I'm not gonna pull out that game board. It's just gonna take too long. To <laughs> out the brain. Um, and if well, you get the same one, yeah. If you if get, I the get the same one, I can just re-roll. <laughs> yeah. If you get the same one again, you can either pick another poem in that category, or you can just re-roll again because there's a lot under each category. So. All right. Let's see. I got four. <laughs> oh my god, we just did four. Do you want to roll again, or do you want to pick a uh, creepy crawly? Well. Well, let me get a good look. Actually, no. I will do uh, The Fly by William Blake. Because right. I think he was the one who wrote um, the, the Lord of the Flies, if I'm thinking correctly. Was he? Let me I'm look, guessing. Let me look that up. Please double check. I could be wrong. Definitely. <laughs> No, uh, Lord of the Flies was written by William Golding. 
Okay, so it was a different William. Yes. <laughs> but it was a William, you are right. Alright. I, I was right about the one yes. more. Okay. Yes. The plot by William Blake, who was born from 1757 to 1827. <clears throat> Little fly, thy summer's play, my thoughtless hand has brushed away. Am not I a fly like thee, or art not thou a man like me? For I dance and drink and sing, till some blind hand shall brush my wing. If thought is life, and strength and breath, and the want of thought is death, then am I a happy fly, if I live or if I die? Hmm. It's that's, very philosophical. That's a very philosophical question. That reminded me a lot of your sleep poem. Um. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a thing, but I guess I got my No, philosophical poetry is definitely a thing. I, I know I've written some myself, like, just talking about different, like, thoughts that we just have in our lives that we just don't have the answers to. Because, obviously, if we had all the answers, there would not be any problems in this world. But we are not perfect creatures. We are imperfect. We have flaws. So, therefore, we have questions that don't always have answers, you know. But I think a lot of the interesting and most important parts of life is just asking the questions, you know, and trying to find your own reasoning or answers to those questions, even if they're not perfect or not right, um, trying to find your own meaning. That's interesting. If thought is I love, life what I love and strength about. and breath, that sounds like a riddle, like, that I would see in a... Like one of those mystery novels, you know? And you could see it from Riddler? Yes, absolutely. Like he would repeat Dang. this and be like, What am I? Well, like, riddle me. Because that's riddle the question. You don't know. Like, and it depends on how you feel about it. Um. I just love the poetic style of it with the, um, of course the stanzas are amazing. They're in quartet. Mm -hmm. I, I know the poetic term for four lines in a stanza. It's, it's a quartet. You're right. Quartets. Because that means four. Yeah. And, and the, and the rhyme scheme of it. And also, if I look back at the first page of it, the old language thing made me happy because mm -hmm. the second the Shakespearean quartet, style yeah. am not I I like thee or art not thou a man like me it's it, oh that just made me good it. I like I that those last two stanzas still are hitting me in the brain I'm like <laughs> I want to answer you, but I don't have an answer. Like, that's interesting. It is. I mean, the same thing can be said for the second quartet as well. It's thought-provoking. Yeah. Because this poet is, like, being philosophical, but also trying to compare a fly to a person. Right. Yeah. And because it's like, are we not the same? Because we still 
do a lot of the same things, but we're... Yeah. It's true. Hmm. Interesting. I'm gonna be thinking about that tonight while I'm laying down for sleep, and I'm like, mm. My thought is, uh, my, my thoughts are going to be ruminating inside of my head. Alright. I could probably talk about that for a while, but we'll continue on. <laughs> Alright. Like I said, it's your turn, and I will laugh if you get a three. Oh my god, if we get three and four consistently, then these dice are loaded, okay? That's not even fair. <laughs> oh, oh, it was gonna fall. Okay, Nat 20, let's go! <laughs> Hell yeah. Alright. For DD fans, that's a good thing. That's a good, good thing. thing yeah. Alright. All right, the the year round, autumn and winter, my favorite seasons. I like spring a lot too, Ooh. but summer is too much for me. Ooh. Okay. Silver. I'm just keeping an eye out for Robert Frost as, like, because there are some it. Robert Frost poems in here. I, I love I love his poetry. I mean, my favorite poem as a kid has always been Fire and Ice by him. Mm -hmm. Because, and not only because of my Twilight phase, it wasn't just because <gasps> of that. Charlotte Bronte! I love Charlotte Bronte. Alright, I'm I gonna do I'm that really... one because I love Charlotte Bronte. Um, she is one of the three Bronte sisters. I don't know if you know about much about female um, English literature. But, um... I tried... Me, that hasn't been my forefront, I'm only going to be so, honest, because sometimes, even if you're trying to learn about female authors, they might try to throw a political lens in your face, and that it, mm -hmm. it sucks. Yes. <laughs> At least that's what happened with me. <laughs> I took a women's literature class, and it focused on women's writers of um, English literature, and there were three sisters known as the, um, the Bronte sisters. There's Charlotte Bronte, um... Anne Bronte, and who is the other Bronte? I'm gonna look it up, because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> no, you're fair. William Wordsworth, that's a familiar type, familiar name. Emily, Emily Bronte. So there were, there were three okay. of them, Charlotte, Emily, and Anne Bronte. And they all had extremely popular novels that came out. They were very popular writers. Uh, but they were, all three of them, lived in the same house. They kept the secret that they were female published authors from their father in living in the same house. They hid all of their utensils and they went by a male pseudonym, sent their drafts into publication companies, and hid everything. Like, no one knew until, like, way later that they were actually... It's absolutely crazy. Like, and they were all genius. Like, they all three of them were amazing writers. Um... So... Emily which, Bronte which book did the Charlotte only name Bronte? I think you recognize. Which book did Charlotte Bronte write? I know I've read one... I've read one of each of their books. Um, for... Absolute oh. sure. So, um, Charlotte like Bronte said, wrote Jane Eyre, which is a very popular, um... Oh, I've heard of that one! Yes. Uh, she- it was a very- it's a very popular, um, female protagonist, like, English, uh, literature book. 
Oh, I Emily Bronte, I believe, wrote Wuthering Heights, which is another popular one. Oh, and then, no, that's why the name is familiar. Mm -hmm. And then Anne Bronte wrote The Tenant of Wildfire Hall, which is not as popular as the other two, but I actually really liked her novel. Um, and I recommend looking at it if you have the time or the money to grab a copy. But um, they're all they're all geniuses. Three sister geniuses. And I love them, which like is why I'm going to read the poem from Charlotte Bronte. Go for it. Alright. Speak of the North by Charlotte Bronte, who lived from 1816 to 1855. Speak of the North, a lonely moor, silent and dark in trackless swells, the waves of some wild streamlet pour hurriedly through its ferny dwells, ferny dells. Profoundly still the <laughs> twilight air, lifeless the landscape, so we deem. Till like a phantom gliding near, a stag bends down to drink the stream. And far away a mountain zone, a cold white waste of snowdrifts lies, and one star, large and soft and lone, silently lies the unclouded skies. Pretty. Ooh. And I see it's also got a um, quartet style to it. There's definitely, definitely some rhyming. Yeah. Speak of the North, which is like the North Star, um, but also like the North Pole, so she used imagery from both of those. And what I love, like with the first stanza, for example, one rhyme scheme that I have been known for with my poetry is this thing called the AB rhyme scheme, mm -hmm. where like lines one and three have the same rhyming sound and then lines two and four could have the same rhyming sound mm -hmm. and sometimes so, like, they'll have that... AA, sometimes they'll have BB um, and then sometimes they'll switch them off it all depends on the writer what I normally do is just like lines one and three being congruent and then lines two and four being congruent it's a very That's popular how writing my... style yeah. <laughs> but it, it's what I'm used to it make, and it makes it. sense like it's it, it, it works really well, um, and it's very, um, it, there's a lot of examples of it, so it's very easy, it's a very easy style to learn and formulate in your own, um, style of writing. So it makes sense why there's so many of them, because it's just been around for so long, and it's also super pretty, like, it's aesthetically pleasing. Yes. That's why I always seem to gravitate towards it, and I'm adding Sejura to my style now, for the sake of not just aesthetics, but also, like, that structure I've talked about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Alright. Time for the next one. I will tell you, there are some, um, Robert Frost poems in here, and there are also some Edgar Allan Poe poems in here, but there's only, like, a few. <laughs> there's only a few of each, so you're gonna have to get lucky. <laughs> Honey. You got me at Poe. <laughs> I need to grab my notepad. Please let me not get a three or a four. Right? Just give me something different. But I'm happy I got to read a, uh, a Charlotte Bronte. Um, I I'm sorry, but my couch tried to eat the dice. My couch tried to eat my dice. No. Don't do it. it. <laughs> Speaking I of eat, eight. I think it's about time. 
life and inspiration. Emily Dickinson! She's my favorite. There's she, two of them. She is my favorite poet. I actually have a book of her collections. Oh, Walt Whitman. He's a very popular poet. There's uh, William Blake again. Um, George Eliot. And Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I know that name. Why, yeah, there's do, definitely why do I know that familiar. name? I know that name. What's interesting about Whitman, I'm not selecting it, but I remember hearing about Whitman in my class because he was the biggest icon when it came to a uh, format. Uh, scroll up again. Wait. No, I'll actually go with uh, Invictus from W.E. Henley, just because the title sounds cool. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I must have... I must have read poems by Henry Longfellow before, because he's just a poet. I thought he wrote another novel, but yeah. Alright. Alright. Ooh, already I love the style and format, but I'll get to that later. Okay. Invictus by W.E. Henley from 1849 to 1903. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my heart, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Unbowed, gosh, I can read. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters... Wait, is that... Oh, yep. Okay. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I really do love the format. I like that last line I, right there. Like, yes. I think the format of this is, like, it starts off with, like, quartets, and then this last one is, like, a uh, quatrain. Yeah, quatrain. Mm-hmm. Because it started off with four, 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 and then we get to five at the end. Technically, yeah. Because of the spacing. That might also be a text thing, though, because I did increase the text. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh. I think that's only supposed to be four lines, but that's just because of the way the text is Hmm. Probably. But it's okay. See. Yes, it's only supposed to be four. Oh, okay, so it's it's still quartets. <laughs> but yes, uh, quatrain would be the right form for a five. Um... I knew it, because I was guilty of quartrains in my writing! Eh. <laughs> I do- I love how it talks about shadow, but that's just because I'm the dork that likes to be dark. Mm -hmm. But it definitely has the philosophical feeling to discuss about motivation, and like how you're in charge of yourself. Yeah, that's something I struggle with too, because that also gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh, what if I screw up? What if, what if I do this? What if I? Oh, yeah. oh, buddy, for me, for me, real life example. I'm going to be trying to learn how to drive, and I remember in high school I was always terrified of wrecking into something, and I think it's going to be worse since I went in. I experienced my first wreck. 
but I was a passenger and not a driver, so it's not as bad. But still, you, you have to think, oh gosh, what if I get to be the driver and make the same mistake? That sort of feeling. Yeah. And I mean, life is hounded with hundreds of these situations. Like, it's like, what if I mess this up? What if I fail this test? What if I, you know, um... And I've been in, like, accidents before in cars, so I totally understand that feeling. Um, it is terrifying, absolutely. Uh, but it's uh, something that you adjust to over time. So I definitely the biggest give it the biggest what if there for me the biggest moment for me that caused me such anxieties and stresses was I think um, it was closer to the time where I had to deal with the clinical stuff in my education cap where uh, I'm waiting for my bus and I'm in the bus station I have tears in my eyes and I'm like uh, I don't feel like I don't like this major. It wasn't just the fact that I was stressing, it was also the fact that I woke up really early in the morning, so I'm tired, I'm upset, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I mean, eventually, the education people were like, okay, you got dismissed from clinical, you've got two options. One, you take the RBA, or you go through the appeal process again. I took the RBA. And that's where I am now, so I'm trying to... It's a fun mess. It's a fun mess. That, that's a really good uh, description slash slogan for college. It's a fun mess. <laughs> um, also, life in general. It's a fun mess. Yeah, absolutely. Alright. Yes. <laughs> that's uh, Your turn to roll again. Yes, it's time to roll. It's time to duel. Alright, I got 17. <laughs> Oh, stars, moon, and night. That sounds oh, very, very funny. witchy, and I like it. Okay. Oh, Robert, Robert Louis, Louis Stevenson. Stevenson. I know that name. That's a familiar name. Mm -hmm. He wrote, um, he wrote a novel. Uh, Wasn't he? No, that's that's Hans Christian Andersen. I was like, did he write fairy tales? No, that's Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. Um, he. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Robert Louis Stevenson. He wrote he wrote a book um, that I. There's, know. There's William Blake again. He's the one that wrote the original tre Treasure Island. That's why I know him. Oh, that's he why. He also wrote the Strange it. Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I knew it. I love that story. Yes. I love Jekyll. Yes. Treasure and Island is favorite. one of my favorite stories. So. And I was like, I know I've heard that name somewhere. Okay. Alright. The wind and the moon. Pretty. Emily Bronte, okay. there's the other sister. Well, there's ah. <laughs> I wonder if there's an Anne Bronte poem in here. I actually don't know. Well, I'm gonna do the other sister. The night is darkening around me. I love the sisters, man. They're so they're so good. Quart quartets again! Quartets again! It is very, very popular style. The night I is mean, darkening around me. <laughs> yeah. By Emily Bronte. 
1818-1848. The night is darkening round me, the wild winds coldly blow, but a tyrant's spell has bound me, and I cannot, cannot go. The giant trees are bending, their bare boughs wave with snow, and the storm is fast descending, and yet I cannot go. Clouds beyond clouds above me, wastes beyond wastes below me, but nothing drear can move me. I will not, cannot go. Alright. Wow. I'm not sure where she was trying to go, but... Interesting. For me, I love that right I love that repetition, though, in the final lines of each uh, quartet. Cannot go. Cannot go. That is something That's really, amazing. really popular um, as well, um, where they often will repeat similar lines uh, to create emphasis. Um, interesting. That is awesome. And I think... Uh, I'm sure there's symbolism in here that I'm not grasping, but, like, the whole, like, you're- I, I get the sense that she's, like, trapped inside of a snowstorm, and she wants to leave. She wants to go. She but wants to get outside. But she can't, because there's literally a snowstorm, and she would die if she tried to go anywhere. So... That is like, oh, I'm stuck. Yeah, you feel trapped, right. The night is darkening around me, like... It's it's cold. It's dark. You just feel everything crushing in on you, but there's nothing you can the do. Night is, the night is dark and full of terrors. Yes. For any Game of Thrones fans, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. All right. Okay, I'm gonna run down the one. All right, I'm gonna try and not lose my dice to the couch again. Do not let the the couch the couch monster eat the dice, please. I got eight once already. I'm going again. All right, that's fair. Eighteen. All right. Which I think was lullabies. I think so. Sleeps, dreams. Sleep. There you go. Sleep, dreams, and lullabies. There's Robert Louis Stevenson again. Alfred Lauren Tennyson. He's another popular one. Yeah, I heard about him. Uh, uh, Rudyard Kipling. I believe did a lot of like military war stories. Uh, Rudyard Kipling, he was also the one that wrote Ricky Tikki Tavi, and I know this. Really? Because when I was, yes, because when I was stuck in the clinical systems in education, I was observing a teacher. No, 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 I'm, I'm lying. He wrote The Jungle Book. Yeah, Ricky Tikki Tavi. Mm, okay. Okay, let's gotcha, gotcha. I'm thinking of another person trying that wrote military war stories. It'll come to me. You know what? Let's do our good old friend Robert Louis Stevenson and try Escape at Bedtime. Alright. That seems that fitting like for that poem that you read at the beginning. Um, also, Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote uh, Idealists of the King, which is a really popular story, and... He wrote Ulysses, which is another popular uh, story. Oh, I know about that one because my roommate had it's to complicated. I still don't understand. <laughs> it's so complicated. My roommate had to read Ulysses for a college right. course. It is very dense. Very, very, very dense. Holy. 
How many pages is this visually? This one on check. Okay, it's, oh, it's another Actually, bad. I'm gonna lower it just a little because I think the lines are a bit off. There we go. Can you still read that? Okay. Oh, sorry. I can... There you go. <laughs> okay. Apologies for my pitch. I can still see it. I just gotta make sure I use my eyes. Okay. Escape at Bedtime by Robert Louis Stevenson, who was born from 1850 to 1894. I'm gonna take my glasses off. There we go. That's better. The lights from the parlor and kitchen shone out through the blinds and the windows and bars. And high overhead and all moving about, there were thousands of millions of stars. There ne'er were such thousands of leaves on a tree, nor of people in church or the park, as the crowds of the stars that looked down upon me and that glittered and winked in the dark. The dog and the plow, and the hunter and all, and the star of the sailor at Mars. These shone in the sky, and the pale by the wall would be half full of water and stars. They, they saw me at last and kissed me cries, and they soon had me packed into bed. But the glory kept shining and bright in my eyes, and the stars going round my head. A lot of stars, a lot of beautiful stars. Thousands of millions of stars. I love that. I love that. This one, unlike my poem Sleep, definitely eight, is a more whimsical feel. It's more whimsical, too. At least has a whimsical feeling to me in the sense of you're talking yeah. about stars. It's more like a, uh, like a dream, um, fairy tale kind of vibe. Yes, and if you ever think of Treasure Planet, you could definitely have a vibe yes. there. I'm, I'm sorry, that- Treasure Planet is my favorite that. Disney movie. It does not get enough love in my life. <laughs> I love Atlantis as well. The, yes. That's another underrated That gem. was the other extremely underrated. And they both came out around the same time, so that time era was just not good for whatever reason. But but it's still a gem! Yes, they are hidden gems that I'm like, Mwah. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> People could say the same thing about the Iron Giant, even though I don't know if it was made by Disney or anything. People say it the same thing about not the Iron Disney, Giant. But yeah, it, I, I like that one too. Um, and I, everybody also talks about how Vin Diesel voiced the robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I had it's to point it funny. out because he's voiced. It's fun, he went from two different things. He went from giant robot to adorable tree man. <laughs> I'm great. Right? I mean, he's done so many other roles, but yeah. He's so Yeah, funny. but most of, most of the ones I can recall have been Fast and Furious, which is all about cars. Yeah. Right, Again, that's just me. He's usually playing just like a really, uh... Buff extreme man. Buff extreme man, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh... It's fine. Alright, time for the next one. Roll the dice and let's help it's you time to roll the dice. Time 15. 
15. Nonsense! This is gonna okay. have some Lewis Carroll! Let's go! Let's go! Lewis! My favorite! Lewis yes! My favorite I see book Jabberwocky. I to, see this, Jabberwocky. to this day is Alice in Wonderland, and nothing else will ever top it. Um, the Jabberwocky! I, That's my yes, favorite the one! The Jabberwocky. I don't think I've ever read the Mad Gardener song. I have read The Walrus and the Carpenter because it is actually in Alice in Wonderland. The Jabberwocky, like, I, I don't care. I believe- We could honestly just share reading that one. Uh, the Jabberwocky is also in, um, Alice Wonderland as well. I'd say we should share this one because we both love it to death. I mean, yeah, that's fine. If We can each, yeah, like, we could take just turns reading. Between stanzas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could alternate between stanzas. That's cool. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Do you want to start? I can't help it. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can start the force. The, gosh, I can sit speak. I need to cool down from the excitement. Holy hoop. <laughs> she really likes her books. <laughs> help it, man. Alice in Wonderland, as soon as we saw Lewis Carroll, I was like, let's go! I, yeah, <laughs> okay. I did a whole, like, essay on Lewis Carroll. Like, I love his work so much. I made a lesson plan during my old clinical days for Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Focusing chap We focused on the mad tea party in particular. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Whew. Okay, I can breathe. The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Born 1832 to 1898. I start the first set. Twas brillig, and the slithy toes did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All Mimsy were the Borogrim, and the Momraths outgrabe. Beware the Jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the Jubjub bird, and shun the frumious Bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand. Long time the Mangsum foe he sought. So he rested by the Tum Tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffing through the tuggy wood, and bur burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through, the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head, he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, you beamish boy. O frabjous day, kaloo, kalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig, and the slithy toes did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the boar groves, and the mumraths outgrabe. That was fun! I love his style, because as the title says, it's nonsense. So like, half those words, you don't even know what they are, because they don't exist. He made them up. So, trying and to discern, like, usually you're reading a poem and you're trying to discern, like, what all these words mean, what's going on, what the theme is, what the moral is, and he's just like, nope, none of that matters. We're just gonna write nonsense. And I'm just like, alright, let's go. 
What's fun for me is like I remember watching um, the Tim Burton version of Alice in Wonderland, and the Mad Hatter quoted some of that poem, and that was my first taste of that poem was from that movie. And I thought it was just part of the script, but no, it was an actual part of the poem. And when I looked at that poem, I'm like, wait, Johnny Depp said this! <laughs> so I was like, happy. I was over the moon. <sighs> and on a format yeah. note... Ah! I cursed my phone. <laughs> what I said earlier, uh, talking about how Johnny Depp had like said some lines from that poem in the movie. Mm -hmm. yep. It was a great... It made me grin too much. I think the one part I remember... He did say the first stanza. That one I do remember clearly. And we can see that this poem is set in, like, quartets. Yeah. Which is... Which is beautiful. And you can yes. definitely see some rhyming a little bit, too. He's very good with it's... his rhymes. Oh, All right. I can't help it. I'm too giddy. <laughs> uh, I I think I'm gonna Louis. go ahead and read the Mad Gardener song as my my pick since we kind of did that one together. <laughs> um, but I did want to read a Lewis Carroll one on my own so that way we could experience it. <laughs> go for it. it. Go for it. I'm sorry for jumping. You're in good. I was like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> It is a very, very good poem. It's my favorite. It's so good. The Mad mm. Gardener's Song by Lewis Carroll. 1832 to 1898. He thought he saw an elephant that practiced on a fife. He looked again and found it was a letter from his wife. At length I realize, he said, the bitterness of life. He thought he saw a buffalo upon the chimney piece. He looked again and found it was his sister's husband's niece. <laughs> Unless you leave this house, he said, I'll send for the police. He thought he saw a rattlesnake that questioned him in Greek. He looked again and found it was the middle of next week. The one thing I regret, he said, is that I cannot speak. He thought he saw a banker's clerk descending from the bus. He looked again and found it was a hippopotamus. If thou shouldst stay to dine, he said, there won't be much for us. He thought he saw a kangaroo that worked a coffee mill. He looked again and found it was a vegetable pill. Were I to swallow this, he said, I should be very ill. He thought he saw a cushion four that stood behind his, beside his bed. He looked again and found it was a bear without a head. Poor thing, he said, poor silly thing, is waiting to be fed. He thought he saw an albatross that fluttered round the lamp. He looked again and found it was a penny postage stamp. You'd best be getting home, he said. The nights are very damp. He thought he saw a garden door that opened with a key. He looked again and found it was a double rule of three. And it's all its mystery, he said, is as clear as day to me. He thought he saw an argument that proved he was the Pope. He looked again and found it was a bar of mottled soap. A fact so dread, he faintly said, extinguishes all hope. Also, an albatross is a giant bird, for reference. <laughs> um, 
literally nonsense. It's so funny. So like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, this this gardener is so mad that he can't even tell what's in front of him. <laughs> He's like, um, is that an elephant or is that a <laughs> is that a letter? Is this a buffalo or is this my sister's husband's niece? Which like, when you read that part that said, uh, unless you leave the house, I'll send for the police, I lost it. You heard me laugh. I know. Sorry. It's so funny, like, his sense of humor, like... The wind's I like, I like the it. hippopotamus. If that should stay to dine, there won't be much for us. Because <laughs> they're freaking huge. That's so funny. And a vegetable the, the pill, bear. like, those would not hurt you at all. Like, they're the actually healthy for you. <laughs> The bear without a head got me. Yeah. Poor thing. Silly thing. It's waiting to be fed. I'm like, wait, how do you feed it? There's no head. And then when he said, um, the middle of next week, the one thing I regret is that it cannot speak. Um, I was like, well. Wow. Why would it need to speak, though? I don't know. <laughs> I love the wind. The thing with Lewis Carroll, whether it's the Jabberwocky that we read together or um, the Mad Gardener's um, door or whatever. Curtis song. The Mad Gardener's song <laughs> is that there's whimsicality to it. Yes, there's nonsense, but the whimsicality building with that nonsense makes it great. That's why everybody and their mother, sister, brother, father love Alice in Wonderland. Because of that whimsicality. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you find um, very often. Because Especially most, in modern times. Yeah, most people want to try to, like, look so far into things and find the moral and the theme and, like, pin down the details. And he's just, like, he throws all that out the window, brings in this <laughs> whimsical nonsense that makes no sense, but it's so aesthetically pleasing. Like... And you're like, I love this, but I don't understand this, but I love this. <laughs> like the way the way it is bluntly. And it's so seamless. It's like he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna make it weird. Right? I'm gonna make it weird. <laughs> I don't I care. Yeah. Alright. I will roll again. Roll the dice. Five! Right. At least it's higher than four! Love and friendship. Oh yay! Okay, that's. I'm There's, sorry. Uh, like Rudyard Kipling and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow again. Lord Byron, he's a very popular poet. Oh, from English literature. Let's see. Robert Burns sounds familiar. Edward Lear. The Edward name Lear is familiar. Also familiar. Yeah, the name is familiar. Elizabeth Barrett, you know Elizabeth Barrett Browning. That poem is actually very popular. I've read that before. Oh, uh, there's an. Oh, that's it. Okay, I was making sure there wasn't any more. Okay, there's two different ones I would I would try, but I have to think on it from Edward Lear, which is the Owl and the Pussy Cat and the Courtship of Youngie Bungie Bo. Hmm. You know what? Just to be simple. And for some reason, my immature brain wants to be stupid. The owl and the pussycat. Okie dokes. Every t okay, what's bad about it is I see oh, pussycat no. and I know it's gonna be about a cat, but my brain wants to go other else. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm sorry. I sound immature when I say it. Ah! 
by Edward Lear from, what is that, 18? 1812. 1812 to 18, what does it say, 88? 88. I, you want me to okay. increase the text? Yeah, please zoom in, because I mean, it's, it's in numerals, so it's not going to be horrible. Alright. As far as, like, formatting goes, it's fine. <laughs> the owl and the pussycat went to sea in a beautiful pea-green boat. They took some honey and honey. The owl looked up to the stars above and sang to a small guitar. Oh, God! I'm sorry! If it's Okay. Okay. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm sorry. You picked the bomb! <laughs> okay. Hmm. Let me- let me- You can say, that. like, kitty if you want to. No, then it's being inaccurate. I just have to calm down. Stop it. I smacked myself in the face. Okay. <laughs> and sang to a small guitar. Oh lovely pussy, oh pussy my love, what a beautiful pussy you are, you are, you are, what a beautiful pussy you are. Okay, I got this, I can do this. Pussy said to the owl, you elegant fowl, how charmingly sweet you sing, oh let us be married, too long we have tarried, but what shall we do for a ring? They sailed away for a year and a day the land where the bong tree grows and there in a wood it, a piggy wig stood with a ring at the end of his nose his nose his nose with a ring at the end of his nose dear pig are you willing to sell for one shilling your ring said the piggy i will so they took it away and were married next day by the turkey who lives on the hill they dined on mints and slices of which they ate with a runcible spoon and hand to hand on the edge of the sand they danced by the light of the moon the moon the moon they danced by the light of the moon other than my immaturity i pulled it off so edward it's lear is um also a nonsense poet so this is technically under the like love and friendship poetry, but he's also a nonsense poet, which you kind of get in a lot of this as well. There is definitely a lot of whimsicality to it, like, with the previous piece, and I love how it's, like, sectioned off. So... I love that the pig has a ring on the end of his nose. Like, why does he just have a ring on the end of his nose? Like, I think it's talking about, like, you know, nose rings? Those kinds of things? Well, yeah, but like, that's not, you don't expect a pig to have a nose ring. Like, that's not something that you'd think about. <laughs> you see, no, I, I And they were married by a turkey. <laughs> what I love is how it repeats a bit. Yeah. Like, for example, the moon, the moon. His nose, his nose. And then, you are, you are. Okay, what's, what's funny? is um when you get to the first section the reason why i was laughing is because there was a youtuber who would reference this particular um section of a lovely pussy is because uh they would do it in the sense of a meme 
And then there's like a picture of a cat. Well, a video of a cat. Like a literal cat. And I can't help but laugh every time. I apologize for the immaturity again, Heather. I know I picked the poem, but I giggle like a little idiot over over that, of all things. That's right. I'm okay now. <laughs> <laughs> This is what happens when you have someone who is, like, in their 20s acts like a 6th grader. Yeah, unfortunately it happens more often than uh, you would think. <laughs> it's bad with me. 14. Have we done 14 before? I don't think so. I don't think so. Humor and curiosity. Humor and curiosity. Which is very similar to Lewis the nonsense. Again. Lewis Carroll is here. Lewis Carroll again! Interesting. I actually don't know these other... There's two of them in here by Lewis Carroll. The Elf and the Dormouse. I know I've heard that before. The story of Augustus who would not have any soup. <laughs> Why would he the not have any soup? The title is familiar. The title's familiar. Uh, I'm gonna go with The White Knight's Ballad by Lewis Carroll. That sounds really interesting. Yay, Lewis Carroll! More Lewis Carroll! The White we Knight's Ballad. We've read like three counting this one. Yeah, by Lewis Carroll. 1832 and 1898. I'll tell thee everything I can. There's little to relate. I saw an aged, aged man a sitting on a gate. Who are you, aged man? I said. And how is it you live? And his answer trickled through my head, like water through a sieve. He said, I look for butterflies that sleep among the wheat. I make them into mutton pies and sell them in the street. I sell them unto men, he said, who sail on stormy seas. And that's the way I get my bread. A trifle, if you please. But I was thinking of a plan to dye one's whiskers green, and always use so large a fan that they could not be seen. So having no reply to give to what the old man said, I cried, Come, tell me how you live, and thumped him on the head. His accents mild took up the tale, he said, I go my ways, and when I find a mountain rill, I set it in a blaze. And hence they make a stuff they call Rowland's Makassar Oil. Yet two pence halfpenny is all they give me for my toil. But I was thinking of a way to feed oneself on batter, and so go on from day to day, getting a little fatter. I shook him well from the side, until his face was blue. Come, tell me how you live, I cried, and what it is you do. He said, I hunt for hard ox eyes among the heather, heather bright, and work them into waistcoat buttons in the silent night. And these I do not sell for gold, or coin of silvery shine, but for a copper halfpenny, and that will purchase time. I sometimes dig for buttered rolls, or set limed twigs for crabs. I sometimes search for grassy knolls, for wheels of handsome crap, handsome cabs. And that's the way he gave a wink, by which I get my wealth, and very gladly will I drink your honor's noble help. I heard him then, for I had just completed my design, to keep the Menai Bridge from rust by boiling it in wine. I thanked him much for telling me the way he got his wealth but chiefly for his wish that he might drink my noble health. And now, if e'er by chance I put my fingers into glue, or madly squeeze a right-hand foot into a left-hand shoe, 
Or if I drop upon my toe a very heavy weight, I weep, for it reminds me so of that old man I used to know. Whose look was mild, whose speech was slow, whose hair was whiter than the snow, whose face was very like a crow, with eyes like cinders all aglow, who seemed distracted with his woe, who rocked his body to and fro, and muttered mumblingly and low, as if his mouth were full of dough, who snorted like a buffalo that summer evening long ago, a sitting on a gate. <laughs> so funny. So, I'm guessing he kept lying to him, and he's like, Tell me the real reason how you get your money, like, old man. <laughs> he keeps like. <laughs> Interesting. And keep the bridge from rusting by boiling it in wine? Like, what? What logic is this? The. It's so funny. There's so much. There's so many things. There's so the thing much I there. He was, uh. I look for butterflies that sleep among the wheat. I make them into mutton pies and sell them in the street. I'm like, what? How do you use butterflies in pie? Right. <laughs> right? That's what got Like, me. I- That's what- Oh my god, it's- And then he- He puts things on fire and- Somehow they get oil out of it. <laughs> Wait, how do you get oil from fire? Hold on. <laughs> hold on, please hold. Um, I can sort of see the Haddock's eyes turning into buttons. Like, eyes can be buttons, I guess. If, but Coraline. it's gonna be kind of weird. Yeah, Coraline. I'm gonna say it again. Coraline! <laughs> I mean, like, using regular, like, eyes, though, as buttons that you would button up a shirt, though, would be really, oh, yeah, really... Would... I don't know if that would work very well. I mean, it's possible, though. Dick for butter I mean... rolls, or twigs for cram... Cabs. You almost said crabs, and I I know! <laughs> Well, that's- I'm thinking about food, so- Cause he said buttered rolls, and then they said crabs, so I wanted to say crabs again. <laughs> rolls and crabs sound good right now, okay. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, fair. Fair. Uh. Alright. I think we'll do, uh, one more one each. More. And then I'll- I'll go get my lunch. Or dinner, I guess. Now it's three o'clock. <laughs> Liner? Liner. Either, either way, we're getting- <laughs> Okay, okay, I need to roll again. Uh, Take your chance and roll no. the dice. Twelve. Twelve. Songs of the sea. The popple who has no tears. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I've heard that one. Walt Whitman. Oh, Walt. Okay, That's a Whitman. Is there any... Is there any... There's Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Hmm. Now I'm torn between Emerson and Whitman. Thinking. 
The Captain My Captain's a very popular poem. I dropped you my know what? Just for the <laughs> oh no! Just for the sake, of I had this author in my own poetry class. Let's put Whitman in there. Let me see right. this man's format. Oh, captain, my captain. Oh, that. See, this is what I mean by his format. He does it so uniquely. So it should um, look like this. Okay, you might zoom- might have to zoom it up just a little. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> so showing, like, if there's a big space between lines, that- that just means, uh, the spacing is Stand off because of, yeah. Eh, it's fine. It's not too bad. Okay. <clears throat> oh, Captain, My Captain by Walt Whitman, who lived from 1819 to 1892. Very familiar author for O oh, captain, my captain, our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near, the bells I hear, the people all exulting. While follow eyes the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But heart, wait, but oh heart, heart, heart. Oh, the bleeding drops of red. Where on the dock my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. Oh, captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up for you, the flag is flung. For you, the bungle, bugle trills. For you, bouquets and ribboned wreaths. For you, the shores are crowding. For you, they call the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. Here, captain, dear father, this arm beneath your head. It is some dream that on the deck you've fallen, cold and dead. My captain does not answer, his lips are pale and still. My father does not feel my arm, he has no pulse nor will. The ship is anchored safe and sound, its voyage close and done. From fearful trip the victor ship comes in with object one. Exult, O shores, and ring, O bells! But I with mournful tread walk the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. Format is beautiful. Yes. Just, oh. it starts off with like this structure of straight and then it kind of like does a diagonal shift with some of the uh, lines there. It's, it's one thing my professor said about Whitman is that he was incredible in his free verse styling and he was the so person we would always look at for format. These are quartets as well. Um, and then there's huh. so there's quartet here and then there's a quartet of diagonal like where they go down um, and diagonal down and then there's another quartet another quartet diagonal and then there's another quartet and another quartet diagonal. And one thing I've noticed is that they repeat uh, falling cold mm -hmm. cold and dead, which is interesting. For, yeah, for emphasis. Yes. Because they and wanted you to, um, he wanted you to realize, like, how... <laughs> this dude's dead. How ter- no, how, like, how, um, 
how shocking and how like this guy can't seem to believe that he's dead like he has to keep repeating it to himself because he's like my captain is dead like the one that i'm supposed to follow like there's no way he can be dead like he says it is some dream he has to be dead and is- just seeing the nautical stylings of it it kind of reminds me of the wellerman i'm so sorry mm-hmm. that just that's what my brain wanted to gravitate to no i got the song in my head thank you we can't blame ourselves for that alright one more we're gonna do one more for you and then we're gonna gonna call it a day (laughs) 19 oh let's see year round autumn and winter so we've done this one before no that's one yeah i'm gonna do another one i was gonna say i was I, I, sure. I think we've done 12 i, think I did 12 yeah songs of the sea that's what we I just did yeah 19 is uh spring and summer i think all right oh we're we're repeating everything now <laughs> oh my god Keeps repeating. Okay, eleven. Have we done eleven? Tales and songs. There's an Edgar Allan Poe. There you go. Right there. (laughs) Annabelle Lee. Um, Thomas Hardy. There's another Lewis Carroll. The Bells. There's Robert Louis Stevenson. Yep. He always comes back. All right. Um. I think I'll do Annabelle Lee. It's a super popular Edgar Allan Poe poem, but... Hmm. Poe Edgery. Yes. The Poet, Mr. Poe. Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. 1809-1849 It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee. With a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago this kingdom by the sea. A wind blew out of a cold, chilling, my beautiful Annabelle Lee, so that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me, to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea. That the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above, nor the demons down under the sea, can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams, 
the beautiful Annabel Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in this sepulcher, but there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. This one definitely had an oceanic feel to it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way, like, the rhyme scheme is... Um... And even the format as well, because I can see some spacing in there, too. Yeah, it feels like a wave. It kind of goes back and forth and back and forth. And the way the, uh, um, like, as you're reading it, like, it feels like it's going in and out and in and out, like, because um, some lines are longer and then some are shorter, and then some are longer and then some are shorter, so it feels like it's got that symbolism of a wave going on. And it also like, feels romantic because of, like, the speaker's love for Annabelle Lee. Yeah, it's definitely a love poem, but one could also call it an obsession poem. Because he refuses to leave her even though she's dead by the sea. So, depends on how you look at it. I'm not quite sure. Like, um, it does depend on the person. The backstory here. Like, it could have really been weird if you think about it. But from an outsider's perspective, without knowing the situation, you would definitely see it as a love poem. That's how I saw it. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyways, though, um, but Edgar Allan Poe is also known to be very mad and, um... Dark. Dark. So, de again, depends on how you look at it. So, because um... For me, like, the raven and the cask of Amontillado yes. are just I a love couple of my favorites. His horror stories are very good. Yes. <laughs> Quoth the raven, nevermore. Alright. So, we will call that a day... Woo! Um, we will call that a club meeting. Club is um, out of session. <laughs> so, um, we will be back whenever we can to do another episode of this. I will be doing a story uh, podcast reading again uh, in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and me, I'll just be floating around in the ether. <laughs> eventually. <my> <laughs> Yeah, this oh this is a little bit of promotion for you at least. So Yeah. I will have the links it's to both of our Twitters in the about section of this episode as well. So you can find us and follow us and support us. And so far, as far as my Twitter goes, all you'll really see is me daily quote random thing. I don't think I'll be doing a daily quote today because of the podcast, but yeah, you'll just see random daily quotes of like either stuff I've read or people, celebrities that I like or whatever. I think yesterday I did a daily quote on Betty White. She does have a lot of very inspirational quotes, that's for sure. Uh, why did I bring up Betty White? Now I just feel sad. <laughs> right? I know. She was such a legend. Such a legend. Um, it's the Golden Girls yeah. every night now. They are reunited in heaven. Yes. Alright. Uh, 
Alright, so we will call it a, a... I was going to say calling it a stream, but it's not really a stream, it's a recording. But <laughs> I, I'm so used to streaming that that's what comes out of my mouth. Um, but thanks everybody so much for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it. We will be back um, hopefully pretty soon with another episode. Um, not quite sure what we'll be doing, but we'll talk about it and we'll figure it out. But it will be yeah. literature related in some format. So, um, this has been the Journey Within uh, Literature Club podcast, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye!